Yeah. Uh, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm recording, so one big sniff and then I'm ready to go. I'm ready too, man. I'm hitting the timer now. Hi, I'm Ian, he's Ollie. Hi. We're both guys, we're both with the sniffles, but we will persevere for 2019's first episode of The Guys on Film Podcast. You're going to gain a lot of knowledge with the abundance of trivia in this sode. Abundance. Yeah, Ted Bundy and Ed Gain gain a lot of knowledge. Oh, I thought you were trying to fit my name into abundance. <laughs> no, abundance. No, <laughs> no but, but, but that should give you an idea of what the uh, sode is all about. shit. <laughs> yeah, if, if you haven't already read the... Uh, you know, the title of the episode. So we're going to be talking about serial... Ser- <laughs> Easy for me to say. <laughs> serial killers and detectives. Yeah. In the movies. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. Um, what else have we got? Well, we've got a seggy one that I've written, which is... Oh, God. Uh, oh, here we go. It's a seggy one about uh, Japanese movies, because I've just spent some time in Japan. Wow. Wow. So, uh, yeah, there's a little quiz and I'll be testing you. I think we should do it at a pretty high pace, just see if you can quick fire answer these questions. Okay. Um, some of them are tough, some of them are no brainsers. Okay, that sounds great. And then our, our deep dive is going to be on, uh, yeah, like we said, serial killers and detectives who are trying to find them. Yeah. Some of the best, okay. some of the worst, some of the tropes that they're... Uh, that those films have in them, some of the procedures the that the detectives have to go through. Yeah. Um, all good stuff. Yeah, I reckon so. Should we just crack been, on with it? We should crack on with it, yeah. Let's do that. Jingle. I'm just going to have a... I just need a quick sniff. Hold on. Me too. I don't know, maybe a blow my nose. Guys on film. Yeah, but guys, we're talking about film. It's the guys on film podcast for real. You know what guys talk about film. It's the guys on film podcast for real. Seggy one. Yeah. So uh, this is a Japanese movie quiz. Um, I tried to come up with a good name for it. So there's a sort of phonetic version of uh, English words in Japanese. And when I did a translation to that, it just... <laughs> came out as Sigmenta 1. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Which is like, okay, fine. But I then looked up something else so I can play the pronunciation of it to you. Which means special Japanese quiz. Wow. Okay. You've really put the effort into this one. <laughs> it's all there, mate. Google Translate. Just there for you whenever you need it. Yeah, just tap the keys, mate. It comes up. Uh, so let's get on with it. Are you ready? What's your what would you say? I guess your Japanese movie uh, trivia knowledge type uh, score would be out of ten. What my would you trivia, guess? my trivia knowledge. Um, I think my trivia knowledge stops about maybe eight years ago. So I'm I'm hoping for six. Okay. okay. Uh, all these films are from yesterday. Oh. <laughs> well, let's go, let's just see. Okay. Question one. How many times has a Japanese film won Best Foreign Film at the Oscars? <sighs> thrice. Thrice? I mean, that's main, mainly because I wanted to say the word thrice, but I also think that's a good guess. 
Okay, do you know the band Thrice? Uh, I've I've heard of them, but I couldn't tell you what sort of music they are. But I know that they are primarily guitar based. Wow, how insightful! The answer, unfortunately, is fourths. Four, <laughs> well, four no, times. I wasn't too far off. So, what are yeah. those films? So, in uh, 1951, Rashomon by uh, Kurosawa. That that, that's one. I knew of that was one. Gate of Hell from 1954. Um, okay. Samurai, The Legend of Musashi at 1955. And 1956, Harp of Burma. So, in the 50s, they were basically smashing it, but ever since the 50s and the 60s started, not a sniff. Unlike our podcast, there was plenty of sniffs. <laughs> uh, yes, so let's move on to question two. So far, it's zero points to Ollie. How many Ian, times there's no it... time for banter. Let's go. <laughs> How many times has Japanese film won the Palme d'Or at Cannes? Oh, it, it, I mean, is this what every single question is going to be? Because I'm, you know, I might, I'm, I'm just going to have to start just guessing numbers. Oh, I um, thought you would know this. I, I'm going to go for three again because, okay. like a, you know, like a broken clock, I've got to be right once. Unfortunately, you're getting further away from the answer because the answer here is five. Um, okay. And guess what? I don't have the list of the winners. Question three. Fantastic. What's the, na- what's the name of the Japanese movie company behind Godzilla? Is it A, Toho, B, Toyo, or C, Toto? Toho. Correct. Great. That's one. Which on is an board, anagram, bro. Ian, of Hoot. Yep. Correct. Do I get an extra point for that? <laughs> no. Uh, Toyo, of course, make tires, and Toto, as I found out on my trip to Japan, make toilets. Um, they make the number one toilet in the world, but um, unfortunately, their branding isn't so great because they could have been number two. <laughs> Hold on, I'm I'm actually just going to go to the stewards uh, stewards inquiry to see if I can get another another point for that, and it's been denied. Yeah, uh, okay. given that the stewards me and no one else gets a say. Question okay. four: <laughs> What was the name of the 2016 Japanese live action installment of the Godzilla franchise? Uh, oh, um, Godzilla, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to take your first answer, and it's not Godzilla, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to have a second go? No, uh, because the moment you kn- you tell me, I'll I'll know. Okay, it's uh, Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla. And I think it was uh, marketed elsewhere as Godzilla Resurgence as well. Um, was it marketed anywhere as Godzilla Yeah? As far as I know, unfortunately for you, the answer is no. Question okay. number five. What is the central premise of the Ring series? So there was this girl um, called oh, something. And she was pushed down a well, basically. Uh. And then Look, looking you, for you the get, central premise rather than like you get a, a phone synopsis. call. So you get a phone call from her, from her evil spirit. Okay, and then you basically have seven days, and then you're going to die. And the way you die is, she comes out of like a, a TV or something like that, and she gives you a big fright. Uh, I think I'm going to give you this. You know what you're talking about. I had the official answers Sack. as what, what's her name? What is her name? Uh, I forget. Would you like me to do some live lookup? It's Sakura or something. The ring <laughs> so girl. 
I don't know if I should be Googling. Samara. Yeah, I was just thinking I, I, I probably shouldn't be Googling the ring girl. Because oh. uh, who knows what that may entail. Please, can you put your Google away so that I know that you're not cheating on the quiz? And okay, I'll Google's give you the, ofi- the official answers. Uh, a, you could have had a, whoever watches a cursed videotape dies in exactly oh, seven days. Tape, yeah. So it's the videotape that you missed. Um, yeah. But B, I had down, like, or some dead bird comes out of the TV. Um, yeah. So you, you pretty much got that. Yeah, but the tape is quite important. It is. I think I'm giving you the point anyway. So, so far... Really good film. Really, really good film. Very scary. Great atmosphere. Wow. You've got three... What? Uh, sorry, you've got two out of five thus far. Okay, okay, let's go. Question six. What's the highest grossing Studio Ghibli film? Howl's Moving Castle. <sighs> Spirited away, buddy. I only said Howl's Moving Castle because it was literally the first one that came to my mind. So I thought, if that if that one is at the top, it must be, you know, a good answer. Okay. I think yeah. you said it so as if it was right, you'd look smart. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen a Ghibli film. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I think I'd like them. Yeah, we should maybe do a little um, episode deep dive into all of them, talk about them more generally. But uh, the amount that that has grossed is $289 million. Wow, that's a good, good pounds, uh, dollars. Okay. What came first, Seven Samurai or Magnificent Seven? Seven Samurai. Yeah, duh. Magnificent Seven was in 2016, um, and <laughs> Seven Samurai was 1954. Um, what's the top popcorn flavor in Japan? Oh, that was a very high pitched intake of breath. The number one. Top popcorn flavour in Japan would be, well, it's going to be savoury. Maybe it's like wasabi. Hmm, okay. It's not wasabi, it's cheese. Okay. Uh, Have you had any? I had some, yeah. I had some in a candlelit bar that you've seen a video of um, that you assumed that a friend of the podcast, Gareth, and I were having a romantic meal in. Um, and in a way we were we were eating cheese popcorn but uh, as you know I don't like popcorn so I moved on a quick quick review of um, cheese popcorn like one sentence review Uh, yeah good (laughs) even though I don't like popcorn I think I quite like cheese popcorn okay fine that's longer than one word but get over it what's the highest grossing anime film of all of them Uh, it's a recent one so you know that might help you a little bit. I'll give you a clue on that. The highest grossing Japanese anime film. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And when you say recent, do you mean like... Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Like a few years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Within the last five. I think I just made it harder, even though uh, I maybe didn't have to. Pokemon. <laughs> okay. No, the answer is Your Name from 2016, which grossed Oliver. 358 million. There's a film called Oliver. <laughs> your Name. Uh, do you actually know about that one? Yeah, yeah, I do know yeah. about that one. Yeah, yeah. it was um, all the rage in, well, 2016, 2017. Yeah. Um, moving swiftly on to question 10, I think you've still... Oh no, you've gone up to four points since you got the Magnificent Seven one. So I'm not going to hit six. 
But I might. Let's see if I can get five. Might be able to get half marks, which I would say is a C, probably. Okay. Uh, what's the name for Evil Dead Army of Darkness in Japan? Oh, um, supermarket, su- supermarket Warrior or something like that. Captain, Captain supermarket. supermarket. Captain Supermarket. I'm going to give it to you. Come on, I, I did sneak in there just before you were... Uh... He gets five out of ten. He gets a C... Must actually, try Ian, I'm. I'm just. This has actually gone to uh, VAR technology. Uh, yes, and it does seem like I was just in there. They've checked out the WAV data, and and my my WAV starts have, before you. Oh, I've told you, you've got five points. Ian, Ian, look, I can't help it if VAR decides to set you know step in. You know, FIFA are monitoring this episode. Uh, you know, I can't, you know, change that. But, but look, it's gone my way. The decision. That's why they're doing such a bad job with football because they're spending all their time monitoring various random podcasts. That's correct. A um, couple of other Western films translated into Japanese just for fun. Uh, any idea what Napoleon Dynamite is? No. Dance Man. Bus Man. Bus Man. Oh, it's quite close. Yeah. Uh, you Only Live Twice? Uh... You you are, you die once. Double <laughs> seven dies twice. Oh, no, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, this is a good one. Fast five. Uh, don't know. Wild speed colon <laughs> Mega Max. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a that is really good. It's Wild speed Mega Max. And then okay. odd, oddly, the last one I've got here, Hunger Games has been named Battle Royal, uh, Battle Royale oh. in Japan. Um, okay. Which Weird. Is, like, it's a kind of... A remake. Yeah, it's a remake of what they've ultimately called it, which is odd. Unless there's some sort of, like, I don't know, some boffin probably will be able to tell us. Let us know at guysonfilmpodcast at gmail.com. But uh, that's it for Seggy 1. Sorry, I just want to point out uh, FIFA have just stepped in and said that Hunger Games isn't a remake of uh, Battle Royale. It's just inspired by. So. And on that, you've inspired yeah. me to move to the next segment. Okay, live scores. Live score. How are you? Live score. I'm fine. Thank you. Live score. Out of 10. Live score. Probably like a a four. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll really have to remove all of that. But yeah, in between segments, let's just get all the noise out of the way. So Ian, uh, how are you? I'm good, Ollie. How are you? Would you like to kick us off with your life score? Or, ah, or were you throwing you, it over you, my you, way? Continuing with the uh, football theme. Well, actually, Ian, I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to give you a, a quick score. Um, I'm an 8 out of 10, despite being ill. But I lose two points because I got some questions wrong in a pub quiz last night. So now <laughs> um, I've got a... So now I've got a... Again today on this podcast. So I've now got the questions here for you. And I want to see... How you do. So now you've got a quiz. So there's one, two, three, four, five questions. And I got two of them. Oh, actually, I got three of them wrong. So let's see how you do. Okay. okay. Are you ready? Yeah. So this I'm is ready. my life school. Arnold Schwarzenegger said the line, I'll be back for the first time in which film? Hmm. This is interesting. You're making me. This is a pub quiz. Sexy. It was just a local pub quiz. So don't overthink it. Okay, well, it's the Terminator. That's correct. 
Okay. Edward Scissorhands was played by which actor? That would be Johnny Depp. Correct. <laughs> He's saving up the, the hard ones for the end. Right, so now now the hard ones begin. James Bond held which rank in the Navy? Um, I actually know this, I think. Um, if you know it, why are you saying like, cause it? Because he, he gets co- called Commander Bond. Yes, correct. Well done. He's. I think there's a couple of films where they refer to him as... That's right. Go- Goldeneye is one of them. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Commander Bond. Yeah, so he's... Commander, well done. We really would have needed you last night. Okay, so you're doing oh, really you well. You always so need me. <laughs> so that's three, three out of five. Um, already doing better than I did. Who starred opposite Michelle Pfeiffer in Frankie and Johnny? Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm going to go for... It's got to be somebody like Dennis Quaid or um, maybe like De Niro or somebody like that. I don't know. I'm going to go with Dennis Quaid. It's Al Pacino. Ah, fuck. I know. That's what I said. It's a really weird film, actually. I'm not familiar with it. And finally, um, what was the sequel to Saturday Night Fever called? Hold on. So Saturday Night Fever and uh, fuck, it was it was directed by Stallone, and I've talked about it on this podcast before. You have, yeah. Um, it's what's the name of the song? BGS. Oh, Staying Alive. Correct. <laughs> Do you know what I I said it was called? <laughs> Go. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I that's, got, that's uh, I got four out of five then. Yeah, well done. You did. You did really well. Um, moving on. Oh, How so that you? was that was your life score, was it? Yeah. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I think my voice just broke there. <laughs> cool. Um, so I'm going to go with a nine because I was a ten. I've Don't come you? back. I've had a very chilled return to work after a long holiday. Um, Eased you in. But it as we mentioned, you, thumbed you back into work. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, <laughs> I slid back in gossamer smooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as we said at the top of the podcast, I've uh, contracted some kind of cold. Yeah. Um, how bad that's going to get remains to be seen. But right now, it's horrible. Um, so that's brought me down one point at the least. Maybe tomorrow it's going to be an eight or seven who knows but uh i was just going to mention a couple of different things so i went to japan it was wonderful wow Um, highly recommend people visit um, japan we went to tokyo for five days and we saw some wrestling in tokyo and uh then went to kyoto for seven days and uh it was lovely and full of memorial sites and shrines and gardens and all sorts so it was nice um I'd highly recommend all that. But on the way there and on the way back, um, I did a fair bit of film watching. Actually, on my way up to Scotland for Christmas, I watched uh, L.A. Confidential and okay. the God and the Godfather. Um, okay. Liked Heavy. both of them. Okay. I mean, I've watched Godfather quite a few times before, but I think I kind of uh, only ever watched half of L.A. Confidential before. <laughs> and you know what? It's much better when you see all of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I like it's the bit great. where uh, Russell Crowe breaks the chair. Oh yeah, that's a good bit. Where he's going mad in the office. Yeah, and he just like squeezes it and it breaks. 
<laughs> yeah. Gets really angry. Tough guy, cruel. Um, yeah. I watched um, one hour photo on the plane. Ah. Weird, weird one, but I actually really liked it. Yeah, very good. Uh, it's strange. At times, it looks like some beautiful art film, and the cinematography makes you go, hmm, they put that together nicely. At other times, yeah. it looks like a TV movie. <laughs> it's a, a kind of weird one from a visual's point of view. A weird um, beast. A weird beast. I watched Christopher Robin on the plane. Um, a Did lot you know? of people. <laughs> Here he is. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, a lot of people have given it stick because it kind of seems to depart a bit from the Winnie the Pooh books and whether or not they're alive or they can come yep. alive. You know what? Fuck all that. Like, don't get too serious about a kid's film. Like the sentiment's nice. Uh, I cried numerous times on the plane. Uh, yeah, it's good. I would highly. Were recommend you hiding that. your tears or were you making a big show for everyone? Big song and dance. <laughs> I was down on my knees in the aisles. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, it was at the point in the journey where they dim the lights so that everybody can get some sleep. So I don't think anyone else right. noticed. Unless they did, of course. Unless you were sitting off to the side of me, watching me. <laughs> uh, and then recently I watched Split in preparation for uh, Glass. Going to see Glass. Um, now, you saw Split before. I seem yes. to think that your review of it was something like, yeah, it's pretty good, but nothing special. Think... Uh, my review is it. My review of it was, it was fairly boring. There was a few peaks. There was a lot of troughs. And it, it, it just it just felt like it, it was a film that was purely made for the ending almost. It, it kind of would have been a pretty shit film had it not been for the, oh, it's all connected to the unbreakable uh, universe. Yeah. That's it. That's my opinion. How much do you reckon they paid um, Bruce Willis to be there? Well, here's the thing. And, and like, look, I'm not going to rag on M. Night Shyamalan because you know what I like a lot of his films I think they're good he's got a good eye and I think every film since maybe the um, since Unbreakable those ones in that series he's actually financed himself so you know what fair play fair play to him I'm, I'm never going to take that away from him he's made you know he's made the films that he wants to make there so I'm you know I'm going to go and see could Glass. you though could you take that away from him I might try. <laughs> yeah, I saw. Well, actually, I had a question about it that I was going to pose to you, but you've kind of answered it already. But Which I was going to say, is the Unbreakable franchise actually good story-wise, or is it all just a reason to give M Night Shyamalan a budget to do another movie? But in actual fact, if he's doing it himself, there's got to be some level of passion there to just get them done. Exactly. So I mean, he he uh, likens Glass to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, I, I hear um, I, he's just making the he's making the series that he, he's passionate about and he want, he wants to make that's his that's his vision he's paid for it it's his money he can do what he wants okay so I've paid for that <laughs> <laughs> when uh, he's finished filming it he just hands some cash over <laughs> <laughs> to the guy at the desk <laughs> of the <laughs> filmmaking place <laughs> uh, they just like ring up on a register <laughs> okay right, so how so... many days <laughs> who have you got Bruce Willis yeah how many days eight days okay fine Samuel L. Jackson yeah okay you had this lens you had that lens 
You get 20% off Sam Jackson if you go for Bruce Willis at the same time. Special deal. Okay. So that that's, basically that's, that's how it works. 12.5 million for you today. Sold. <laughs> okay, so... Oh, right, let's, let's move on, really. I think those are the films that I've gone through. I'm going to go see Glass. Why don't we do an M. Night Shyamalan episode as well? It's got to have a twist. Does it? I was going to ask you as well, does he get stick for all that uh, twist stuff now because he still does it? Or does everyone just say that about him? I haven't seen I don't enough think of he always, I, I don't think he always does it. I think he always tries to have, you know, something clever, clever in there or something that subverts something. But, you know, so what? That's his style. You're going to start, like, having a, having a go at, like, you know, Rob Zombie for making all his films unbearable. Yes. Okay. I mean, that's I've, his style. I've seen you talking about this on social media. It's your hot topic, obviously. So let's yeah. move on. <laughs> okay. Um, before we start on serial killers and their detectives, yeah. how how do you rank Hercule Poirot out of ten? Where one is mustache prick, and ten is fart sniffer. <laughs> um, he's definitely closer to a ten. I mean, he's good. He's good. Did you see the Malkovich thing at Christmas? No. Okay. John Malkovich as him, I I just basically couldn't bear it, but I don't I don't think it was aimed at me really. I did see John Malkovich in uh, the Bird Box, which everybody's been talking about, and uh, yeah, he's. I mean, he's he likes acting, doesn't he? Give him that. <laughs> that's a very good it. review. Yeah, that's a good review. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think cool. I think Let's you get your on. point across with that. But anyway, I mean, that was related to the deep dive. He's a, he's a detective, isn't he, Poirot? Yeah. Uh, let's get into this deep dive. Ian. Oliver. What is a serial killer? <laughs> it is a killer what has done it lots of times. Okay. And and probably with a sort of like common theme to the slayings as well. Well, this is one of the things that oh, I I wonder about. What do you mean? Here we go. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that I've written down, I've written a list of uh, procedures that the police in these sort of investigations seem to go through. So okay. shall I just ru- list those off and then we'll see where we are? Right. So the, we'll see gonna, if they come up again. Yeah. Okay. They're going to look at physical evidence. They're going to look at the crime scene. Um, they're going to then link up locations, timings, and stuff like with that see if, to see if there's a pattern. Yeah, exactly, with string. Yeah. Um, they're going to go and chat to the friends and family, maybe ex-boyfriends, etc. Could they be ruled yeah. out? Um, what's the modus operandi? Yeah. No, what what is it? I don't know what it is. Yeah. Just saying, yep. No. Uh, yeah, so are they leaving hallmarks, basically, that um, yeah. can be noticed and kind of be their trademark and then is there something that can they lure them into some sort of dialogue trap via phone some sort of note or something through the press through the press is quite regular in in these sorts of films so anyway thinking about all that a lot of the detective dramas on tv and films i think lean quite heavily on killers always doing it the same way and So serial killers, I think there's obviously like a lot of people who will know better than you and I that their psychology is such that 
it's not just because they've been in a rage, it's because they've planned this out to some degree, right? Or it's something that entertains them. But like I watched a, I watched an interview a couple of months ago with a serial killer, I forget his name, but he was linked was to the it, mafia. Was the was the programme called Interview with the Serial Killer? It wasn't actually, it was from like I don't know, something from the nineties on YouTube. But um this guy had killed like hundred and twenty people or something like that. And it was wow. And it was to do with... Oh, wait, I will not put a, an Owen Wilson thing in there. That wow. would be very... Yeah, I won't do it. Um, but that was a lot more to do with, like, functionality. Um, as in, he was doing it because he's part of the Mafia. And then afterwards he was doing it for kind of pleasure. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, all I'm getting at here is, it's a little bit too easy. What's the word? a little bit too convenient in these films for it to be like oh he always does this or yeah his his trademark is to wipe down the wall <laughs> before okay. splattering the blood against it or whatever um i don't know it's just uh that feels too convenient to me but i guess it but makes quite it easier to write a film yeah exactly. yeah exactly i mean they can't really have a killer where he's just like you know doing like loads of random things all the time because it would just make the it would make the investigation really well, I suppose that's seven, isn't it? But then he is—he's—he's not—he's not doing the same thing, but he's following a, a a pattern, I suppose. Yeah. And then they have to figure out the patterns. So That—that's another thing. Patterns. Patterns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, would you like to chat about um, any particular films in any particular order? I have some notes on a variety. Same. I mean, I've mostly been watching the uh, Hannibal films, and I've got. A lot of stuff on that. So what I would say is if you've got any non-Hannibal films that you want to talk about, say Copycat um, or Seven or Zodiac or something like that, let's do that first because I think I think the, the Silence of the Lamb, Manhunter, Hannibal, Red Dragon, all those, I think, I think it's, they're quite key films. You okay. know? All of them are quite different. And they're all worth talking about and, and delving into. So if you want to talk about uh, other ones first, then Ian, be my guest. <laughs> well, Seven, I think, is probably my favourite. Wow! Um, the, the thing is, I think everyone's really pretty familiar with Seven, so I don't want to kind of retread ground on that, but I just... Um, oh, come on. I like the dynamic we're gonna between... have to We're going to have to retread the ground to, you know, scope out the crime scene. Okay. Some physical evidence. Uh, but first of all, I'm going to give them the official synopsis. Yeah, okay. The official synopsis! Two detectives. Somerset and Mills. Two detectives, a rookie and a veteran, hunt a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as his motives. Okay. Um, it was directed so by go. David Fincher. Of Alien 3 fame. Um, who... I think, like, it's kind of, not commonly, but I think quite a lot of people do think that um, David Fincher's Seven is kind of one of the best fictional serial killer films. And then uh, Zodiac is one of the very best of a sort of factual nature. So the Zodiac killer stuff is all true and set in um, West Coast US from, I think, like, 1960s to 70s. Um, So interesting that he's done such good work in this area but then not gone back to it maybe he's just well he's done and dusted that, it all no he isn't he's like he's basically also done the tv series called mind hunters 
oh, uh, yeah. the Mind Hunter, which you know, which is the very birth of um, criminal psychology, and that deals with serial killers all the time. And it's I'm watching it at the moment, and if I can give one recommendation on this podcast, it's it's watch that. It's 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 brilliant. Wow, so well written. I shall. Uh, it's very I... harrowing. It's very harrowing. Just not in the gore or the violence or anything like that, but they they start profiling and having interviews with serial killers, which is which was a kind of new thing, you know, before that. Once they were in jail, they were just in jail, that's it. But these, you know, these two sort of pioneers, they go into these institutes and they interview the serial killers to try and understand how they got there, why they did it. And those conversations, those interviews, you know, they're they're tough. But they're very good. It's very, very good. So Okay. Big recommendation from me. On so let's the, get back uh, to seven. On the harrowing meter, it's swinging all the way up to very. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, you reminded me of that. I started that and then didn't continue with it. But um, with seven, I rewatched it recently. And it is a. This comes back to this thing of like, can you ignore what people do outside of their art? But uh, Kevin Spacey's in it, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I guess in this role, since he's a creepy bastard anyway maybe yeah maybe it kind of sits okay but um hmm. yeah i don't know it it was kind of a little bit it, it does it's a distraction i think more than anything because you're like oh. yeah. yeah he's a wrong one yeah so um yeah it's one of my favorite films i've rewatched it many times i like the dynamic between um somerset and mills Somerset has this thing where, like, obviously he's quite, um, he's older, he's almost retired, he's kind of seen and done it all, but then in the last few days, he's, yeah, exactly, he's quite philosophical about things, uh, he teaches Mill, like, it's quite nice seeing the, you know, the moment where, I think, um, the, in the stairwell, there's a journalist who takes a picture, um, yeah, and, it's because one of the police troopers has let them up the stairs. And I think obviously that is actually Kevin Spacey, but like you can talk right. to him. But um, one point has taken tips, a trooper has taken tips to let them upstairs. And it's just something that um, Brad Pitt's character, Mills, has not really thought through. But Somerset just gives him a, like, you know, the guys make good money from taking these sorts of tips. Um, right. So that's kind of cool. But even Somerset in his last couple of days learned something new. It's like it's kind of like he's seen that, done yeah. that. He hasn't got any more challenges, and then this final case is kind of probably his most challenging. Um, yeah. So that's kind of cool, and I think it's just acted really well by it. Definitely. Um, Brad Pitt is great in it, and uh, Morgan Freeman, and actually Kevin Spacey. To be honest, Kevin he's... Spacey is 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 really good in wow. it. Wow. Um, and I did you see this weird thing that he did, like. He was in a kitchen making something. This like recent thing he did on YouTube, and he was—I think he was supposed to be the guy from House of Cards. Yeah, can't watch him now. You literally can't watch him now. He's—he's he's unwatchable. I get your drift, but it was—it was too difficult elaborate. to watch it. Okay. Well, it was too hard to watch it. He was being creepy. So the first thing he's done when he when he sort of he's he's kind of come back and maybe trying to do something to impress people is come back as some kind of weird, creepy threatening dark character and it's just like maybe not yeah. as the kids say these days 
Nah, that's not the one, Chief. Is that what they're saying? They, they do, they do, yeah, they do. <laughs> they say the word Chief. So, I've got a couple of facts for you. Do you want some facts? Okay. Do you remember that uh, in the cinema, well, I remember when I went to see other films, I wasn't old enough to see Seven, but in the cinema, they had a little sign that they had to print out that was telling all the customers about the sound mix and the darkness of the film was actually as designed because there was a lot of people complaining about couldn't hear it, couldn't see it too dark, all that sort of business because it's raining all the time, it's in perpetual darkness um, and it was, you know, there was a lot of people who were not able to, you know, hear it. So I know there was a lot of showings that actually had subtitles as well. Ooh, There's a fact for you. And here's an additional fact that would have made this even worse if it would have happened. Uh, Sylvester Stallone turned down the role of Mills. He told Ain't It Cool News that this was a mistake. Oh, okay. But well, can no. You imagine. Well, yeah. Can you no, imagine? No one else thought it was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because even at that time, he would have been a fair bit older. And I think the young, plucky upstartness of Brad Pitt at that point in time was ideal for the role. Absolutely. Uh, I've got one more fact for you, then I'm going to hit you with a question. Okay. For the gluttony scene, seven crates of cockroaches were released on the set and poured on Bob Mack, the actor, who plays the gluttony victim. Something had to be put in Mack's ears and nose to stop the cockroaches from crawling in. However, that didn't stop them from going into his underwear. (laughs) So, you know, they knew where the action was. So... (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Uh, so here's my question. What's the greediest you've ever been oh. in your entire life? Can you can you remember a time where you've been really, really greedy? You're just like, that That was pure greed. Okay, well, on regular occasion, I'm the person <laughs> who, uh, when you're out for a meal and you go for dessert and you're like, are you sure you're not having anything? And the other person says, no, I'm fine. And then yours arrives, and they ask to have some. I just say, get to fuck. Oh, I bet you do. Do you do that with, with the lady as well? Yeah, I do, yeah. Saying that, I never share my rice. Uh, uh, having a curry? Yeah, I just, I'm having an individual portion for me. I yeah. can eat it all. Yeah, I'm me too. It. I agree. Do you, want to share your, do you want to share a rice? No. Don't. Yeah, I, I maybe I'm less hardline than that because I went for a curry last week and I did share a rice and shared a. But nan. did you get a naan as well? Yeah. Well, that's the thing fine. is, that... okay. Here's the thing. Here's more greed. But every time I get a curry delivered to my house, I get a rice and a naan, and sometimes a starter. And and can you finish it all? <laughs> um, or is the leftovers? I can definitely the rice, naan, and curry in one go. But if I have the starter as well, I'm probably going to space that out over two sittings. So what's what's the starter? I don't know, all kinds. Like a dal, chicken chat. I don't know, whatever you want. <laughs> Can we start a podcast Can, called Chicken pod- Chat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we should. Yeah, okay. Um, cool. I actually had a curry when I was in uh, Japan. And right. um, for the first time ever, I drank a sweet lassie. Okay. I bet that made you laugh as a Scot, a Scotsman, didn't it? <laughs> uh, it made me go, mm, that's nice. But what was funny about it was, 
on the menu you could get uh, this sort of thing where you got three small pots of different curry varieties and then a small pot of rice and like what I will say is the biggest naan I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Uh, okay. And it said uh, plus soft drink and the guy would, took- would Brian would Brian Cox the um you know astrophysicist um, have a hard time describing how how big it was. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, and uh, so my travel partner Gaz was uh, asked what drink he would like, and I just wasn't. They just delivered me a sweet lassie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, um, cool, sure, I'll drink that, and it was nice. So there you go. Curry Excellent. stories with Ian and Oliver. So um, I actually had a question, which was if you had to come up with your own brand new set of seven sins what would they be oh, that's too like, many i could i might be able to give you one more give me a couple of sins that arc you or rub you up the wrong way it's mostly social media related really okay i think posting about where what cool place you're working in today and saying today's office <laughs> i hate it stop that's a sin don't do it because it's not you know it's not an office yeah. and you know that it's not a normal thing yeah. It's irregular, so don't do that. It, today's a regular office. Yeah. Just bo- uh, boasting, just boasting. Is that is that a sin, boasting? Yeah, I think so. That's pride, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um, is Rob Zombie a sin? No, I don't think so. I think, yeah. I think making that sort of film might be, um, but no, not necessarily. I think probably there's a lot of sins to do with noise. I think, I don't think they've covered... Um, sensory sins. They so <laughs> that Bible. lot. Yeah, that lot. Yeah, that lot. Um, maybe some sensory sins like eating too loud, especially in the cinema, um, or while you're watching some film at home. And you know how, like on TVs, you can never really hear the dialogue, and then you turn the dialogue up, and then the gunfight starts, and then it's like too loud, and then if someone's eating during the dialogue, you can't hear it. Nightmare. It's a sin. Um, smells also sin okay yeah that's fine yeah, fine um, uh, tell me about Zodiac because I haven't watched it because it's two and a half hours long yeah okay so I was more willing to commit to it than you were obviously I've got it uh, there oh I've got it here look listen listen that, that Zodiac there I've just so I've got you, it I just didn't watch it bought it on Blu-ray or DVD and you've not watched it I've had it for about five or six years, I've never watched it. All right, well, I've never, should... I've just two and a half hours, mate. You should stick it on. Where so, you get that time? directed by David Fincher, um, stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., and Mark Ruffalo, and Goose from Top Gun, um, whose name okay. I forget. Uh, let's have a look. Anthony Edwards. Who, Anthony Edwards. Yeah. So uh, also Brian Brian Cox, it says. Yes. Uh, he's a smarmy geezer in it on TV uh, who is a bit over keen to try and fix the Zodiac killer um, and when he talks to him over the phone like his smarminess puts uh, the killer off and he just hangs up on him uh, so here's the official synopsis. The official synopsis! In the late 1960s slash early 1970s Okay. A San Francisco cartoonist becomes an amateur detective obsessed with tracking down the Zodiac Killer, an unidentified individual who terrorizes Northern California with a killing spree. So, uh. That would be quite scary. I enjoyed it. Um, it's, 
with these things that are historical and true, I don't think it's a spoiler to just explain a bit about what went on, right? So yeah. here's the thing. With a lot of these, uh, you get a satisfactory ending where like the detectives track the person down at the very least, right? Yeah. Uh, with Seven, albeit you know, like the kind of shockingness of what happens at the end, it doesn't all tidy itself up very nicely. But at least you come face to face with the killer and you kind of see it all wrap up. With Zodiac, um, they, they've got a really strong idea of who the person was and nothing's happened since that person's death. But there was never any kind of finality to the whole thing. So if that's what you're looking for in a film, maybe this is not the one for you. Um, I'm not going to go too far into it because I'd like to give us enough okay. time to talk about uh, the Hannibal stuff. But okay. I, I will just say that Mark Ruffalo, Jake Gyllenhaal, both great in it. In particular, Jake Gyllenhaal is really good. Robert Downey Jr. Like, you've got, you just got a problem with him, mate. You've just got to, I think, accept that he's going to be him. And that distracts me a lot in this film. Takes is me he like a it. fast, fast talking, fast talking Tony like, yeah, Stark? Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> like, okay, well, you could say that in a way where you don't appear to want to be the smart aleck or cool guy in the room. So that that's the third episode on the trot now where you've made that noise. Yeah, yeah. The the Ryan Reynolds noise. Yeah. Uh, okay. Absolutely applies to uh, Robert Downey Jr. as well. But like, why? Okay. What is it about him that makes him need to be the cool guy in the room? Answers on a postcard, uh, or actually, preferably email guys on film podcast at gmail dot com. Can uh, I have a couple of minutes on uh, on copycat? Do it because I've seen it as well, so that's okay. that's handy. Official official synopsis. One man is copying the most notorious killers in history, one at a time. Together, two women must stop him from killing again, or they're next. Starring Holly Hunter and Sigourney Weaver. I liked it. Wow! wow. wow. <laughs> that I thought like, it was quite good. Like a protest. Well, I liked here's the thing. It. It's like it came out. One year after seven, right? So it obviously is nowhere near as good as that. But for a, a Sunday evening chilled serial killer one, it's fine. Yeah, it's got some some great nineties tech in it. Um, some real hilarious scenes where the um, oh, it's amazing where the serial killer is making gifts and kind of weird, badly you know MS painted. Um, yeah. creepy things and they're, they're just brilliant they're, they've aged terribly yeah um, it's got some Sigourney Weaver panic acting in it which which is always fun you know where she starts hoo, hoo. yeah okay and she starts doing that <laughs> can you do um, that again and- <laughs> no uh, leave it's it impossible. to professionals yeah leave it to the professionals um, and, and Holly Hunter I, I don't think I've ever actually seen her in a film before have you just heard her in the incredibles no yeah i think so but like her detective in it is one of my favorite investigators slash detectives now she gives no shits she's practically never ever wrong and yeah she's just basically mega sassy with everybody but 
can back it up because she's completely right every single time. I think uh, I like I my she, detectives a little bit more brilliant. fallible than that. But, uh, but if you want, if you want an infallible one, I think she's she's cornered the market. <laughs> okay. Did you notice the scene where I talked about the takeaway food? But you got it the wrong way around. It's actually Holly Hunter. Uh, so Ian said that there's a scene where Holly Hunter and uh, I think it's Monaghan, the name, who, yep. who is basically her sort of co-detective, were getting some uh, takeaway. And he's gone and got Japanese food. Ah. And she wants a cheeseburger. <laughs> and you thought it was the other way around. It's actually Holly Hunter that was not, not after the Japanese food. Ah. You know, the foreign stuff. She wanted the all-American cheeseburger. Okay. So, so you did get it the wrong way around. But, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, so it turns got... out, looking at the dates, that this actually only came out about a month after Seven. Okay. There's September to October 1995. But it's interesting because... Yeah, how could they have known? But also it just shows how sort of forward-thinking Fincher was, really. Because this this is kind of very much in the style of loads of the other films that were out in uh-huh. the sort of early nineties. I also watched um, the Bone Collector, which I thought was pretty crap, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Denzel Washington playing Denzel Washington, um, albeit with like a sort of debilitating illness, but he was acting like himself. Uh, but the same thing struck me with that was that it was from I think actually a couple of years after Seven, but it still looked massively dated. For Seven, well, basically, has just I think aged Denzel really well. Denzel actually turned down a role in Seven, and I believe that he re- he regretted it so much that he wanted to do something similar, so took on the Bone Collector as kind of to see you know to have a go at that sort of thing. Right. Um, but I just wanted to read you a a, a, a ten out of ten review of Copycat. Okay. Um, because I mean it's not a 10 out of 10 film um, but, but this person thinks it is so Copycat is a perfect suspense thriller that has no flaws at all it starts off when Helen Hudson Sigourney Weaver is at a campus and doing a lecture about serial killers but she gets more than she bargained for when psychopath <coughs> Daryl Lee Cullen who's played by Harry Connick Jr almost kills her when he kinda hangs her she is so traumatised by this experience that she becomes an agoraphobic, which which was a pretty good line in the film, where, the, where um, I think Holly Hunter says that she's agoraphobic and her co-detective says, well, she's afraid of spiders too. I thought that was quite good. It's quite a good line. Because he says it like, you know, he's just thick. Um, <laughs> so she becomes an agoraphobic. Then a murder occurs... When a woman is strangled by a pair of leggings. Not with a pair of leggings. By a pair of leggings. So in the whole film, um, they're hunting a, a rogue pair of leggings. Helen they Sue shouldn't knows... have called it copycat. They should have called it killer leggings on the run or something. <laughs> exactly. Uh, back in the habit. Um Helen soon knows that they have a copycat killer on their hands. She teams up with the ambitious FBI detective Monaghan and the two of them investigate further into the killer's whereabouts um, and which serial killer he will copy next. Best movie ever. So, there you go. That's interesting. There's a lot of passion for a film that is pretty much a kind of... uh... Middle of the road, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's bang in the middle. It's good when you're in it. 
it's uh, enough to take up all your attention whilst you're watching it, but it is pretty middle of the road, really, isn't it? Okay, Ian, we've got about ten minutes left. Let's get on to the main <laughs> event. Can I, uh, first off, can I just do a big nose blow? Thanks very much. <laughs> so, can I, can I maybe let's get... start, let's just, you can you can start me off with Manhunt, because I know that you've, you have a, basically a permanent semi over this, over this one. So tell me about, tell me about Manhunt. So, Manhunter is Michael Mann's film. Hmm. Do you know about this guy? I know about this guy, yeah. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Well, but why don't you tell me more? Have you seen both Manhunter and Red Dragon? Just to be... I've seen Red Dragon within the last week. And Manhunter, you must have seen at some point. I've seen that within the last decade. <laughs> Brilliant. That's enough. So, uh, the official synopsis. <laughs> Former FBI profiler Will Graham returns to service to pursue a deranged serial murderer named the Tooth Fairy by the media. Uh, it's starring William Peterson, who people might know from like NCIS or something like that. Uh, yeah. A bit later. I think he's amazing in it. Wow. Uh, yeah, he is, yeah. He's, uh, his hair's cool. His hair's really cool. And his jackets. It has Tom Noonan playing uh, Francis Dollarhide, who is uh-huh. uh, the, the Tooth, tooth Fairy. fairy. It stars Brian Cox as Dr. Hannibal Lecter, who... Astrophysicist uh, Brian Cox. Yes. Um, I actually think that uh, it'd be interesting to hear everybody's thoughts on a back-to-back viewing of this and Red Dragon and kind of see comparatively what they think, because they are mm-hmm. they are pretty much, from a screenplay point of view, very, very similar. Um, yeah, they're, they're almost identical, yeah. The lines that are used, uh, especially when... <laughs> so basically when Will Graham is like talking to himself about what the killer yes. is doing like you did didn't you you son of a bitch he's not even recording into a dictaphone yeah he's just recording into nothing and I think they should have given him a dictaphone he <laughs> could have given you a call <laughs> he's recording into nothing uh yeah, I'd be really interested to see what people's comparisons of them are. I think uh, rather than talk about one or the other, I might do a a comparison-based analysis on this, Ollie. What do you think? I'll fire through Compar-analysis. it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Visuals-wise, it's going to Manhunter uh, for me. So okay. even though a variety of parts of it are really dated, uh, it's extremely 80s. And also, like, okay, this is not visuals, but from a soundtrack point of view, it's very 80s. All of the all of the look really appears uh, appears appeals to my personal sort of film aesthetic and things that I'm into. So I like it a lot. Okay. Uh, so I mean, Red Dragon's aesthetic is basically you know Silence of the Lambs, right? Yeah. Copy that as much as possible, and actually, In fact, down to down to know, the score as well. The score is obviously yeah. very similar across Red Dragon, Hannibal, and Silence of the Lambs. So, did you know that they actually used um, some B-roll footage from Silence of the Lambs in Red Dragon? I did not elaborate. Yeah, because the inst- well, because the institute that they they used to go and visit Hannibal had been knocked down by the time that they went back to you know film again, like a decade or so later. Huh. So they had to use B-roll footage from Silence of the Lambs for the establishing shots. Does it stand out like a sore thumb? Obviously not, because I didn't notice it. Uh, but not like, really. If no. you're looking no. for it, can you tell? 
No. Okay. Don't think so. Interesting. Uh, it's all facts here. It's all, you know, yeah. people are going to come away from this thinking, well, I'm really enriched by this discussion. What an abundance of facts. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's, carry on. that's I-A-I-N. Uh, okay, so uh, who's the better Will Graham? Was he? Was it William Peterson or was it Ed Norton? What's your thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, I think it is William Peterson, but I didn't. I didn't exactly hate Ed Norton either. Um, yeah. I mean, he's got his frosted tips. Uh, he's bleached his hair a touch, but I, I didn't. I didn't hate him. I thought he was fine. In fact, I so. Just so I can get it all out of the way. So I watched Silence for the Lambs first and I, I loved it. I just thought it was it was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I haven't seen it for a while. I just thought it was amazing. I think it really stands the test of time. It's tense. I don't think it's it's darker than I remembered it to be. It's it's kind of grimier and and a bit more foreboding and there's a lot of shocks in there that I can't remember. Hannibal I thought was absolute pish. I hated it. Hated okay. every minute of it. But Red Dragon, like I was, I was prepared to like just be like, okay, I'll just watch it just cause. And I, I got into it. Not gonna lie. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and commit my voice to wav and lie to you. I got into it. Voice three. Thought wav. it was fine. Thought it was fine. <clears throat> I quite like Red Dragon. Actually, it's good. Let's get into Hannibal very briefly with some notes in a second, but let's finish this comparison of these two films, right? So, who's your favourite Hannibal? Uh, I mean, Hopkins in in Silence of the Lambs. And I like Brian Cox as well. I do like Brian Cox as well, but I I do think for me, in that one film, uh, in Silence of the Lambs, I think think uh, Anthony's great. I think he deserved all the plaudits that he, he got. What about in Red Dragon though? The one that's the same story as Man of <sighs> Yeah, he's he's fine. He's all right. He's not in it that much. He's he's okay. He's not. He's he's dead. Okay, so uh, Hopkins is in Red Dragon much more than Brian Cox is in Manhunter, because mm. by that point it was all about the sort of let's get him on screen as Hannibal Lecter because he's kind of like a pop icon by then. So yeah. he is on screen quite a lot, but I so I'm going to say Hopkins as well. Even though there's a with Hopkins, he comes on screen and he's kind of like enigmatic in a way that you want to watch him more. Um, yeah. Whereas yeah, especially in 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 Lambs. Whereas Brian Cox is actually like he kind of uses the same lines about like oh maybe you can give me your phone number or um, when he's like just trying to like test the boundaries with Will Graham. He says a bunch of stuff that's just so cocky and it, it annoys you. Um, he's kind of become complacent. <laughs> well, I mean, it annoys you. Don't don't tell me. Don't tell me what annoys me. No, I just think it's it the difference in the performance. So, like, the, okay. like Brian Cox is is kind of like a repugnant on screen presence. Like you kind of you feel pushed away from him. Whereas Hannibal Lecter kind of pulls. Uh, sorry, Hannibal Lecter. Uh, Anthony Hopkins yeah, pulls you in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. What about Francis Dollarhide? Tom Noonan. I think I, I'm going to find it hard to say that he isn't Francis Dollarhide because I became really used to him being that character. But in, yeah. in Red Dragon, um, is it Ralph or Rafe Fiennes? Yeah. Ralph yeah. Fiennes. Yeah. Is very uh, good as well. Sure fine. Yeah, yeah, I like them. I like them both. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, which do you think is the better overall film? 
Uh, well, man, man, is it Manhunt or Manhunter? Manhunter. Yeah, I think I think that is. But I like the fact that Red Dragon was sort of made as a a kind of companion piece to Silence of the Lambs, and I'm I'm glad that they made it because it 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 does do a good job of sort of washing away Hannibal because basically um, Hannibal's gash. Well, one of the reasons that Anthony Hopkins decided that he was going to do Red Dragon was because. You know, I think he really regretted how how Hannibal went because they did turn him into basically like this sort of anti-hero, cocky, sort of quipping, you know, TikTok Clarice, all that kind of crap. You know, they just wanted to get him into this sort of sinister, horrible villain again. You know, you can't trust him. He's, you know, he's 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 no good. He's always up to no good. So yeah, my my I, notes I like on, that it, it sort of bookends it. My quick notes on Hannibal then. So. Um, Clarice, who is played by oh, Julianne terrible. Moore instead of um, Jodie Foster, yeah, um, she is scripted to say Doctor Lecter too many times. <laughs> it's like Doctor Oker. Uh, it's got this yeah. weird half rhyme to it that's uh, just shit, and it just keeps happening. Um, Anthony Hopkins defends a punch to the face by gritting his teeth. Um, I don't know if you noticed that part, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yet none of them get smashed. Uh, um, awful, ridiculously out of place, staged gunfight at the start of the film. Yeah, it's just it's like oh, I've just done a Black Hawk down, so I might I might do a little action sequence at the start. You yeah, know, so we should hated say it's it. Directed by Ridley Scott. Terrible editing and slow motion. Okay. Lots of really bad slow mo. Um, I had a note just to, on what's the morality of this. Are we meant to root for Hannibal Lecter because he's like well, I think I think smart that's and sassy. Um, yeah, like the baddies who kidnap and torture him are only getting <laughs> yeah. him back because he made another guy's life a misery. So it's like, mm, are they yeah. really the baddies? Yeah, I guess they kind of try and make him out into this sort of like anti-hero because he only goes after like supposedly bad souls or whatever, which is kind of like. I think people only like it as well because of the last ten minutes, anyway. What's that? Where he cuts his arm off and Hannibal Lecter opens the skull on a man while he is still alive and fully conscious and feeds him his own brain. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, it's a good yeah. idea. It's done quite badly in the effects. Yeah, I mean, badly. it's very CG, you know. And he fries it up, and then and then he's on an aeroplane at the end of the film, and he's got a little bit of the brain left, like leftovers, you know, like you'd have your leftover curry because you ordered a, a starter. Yeah. Um, and you've got a little bit of dal left. Ideally, um, that dal does not have brains in it, but yeah. I don't know how we managed to get that on an aeroplane. I mean, ain't getting that on an aeroplane. You're getting your own food like that on an aeroplane. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Although really? when it goes through the scanner in your hand luggage, they're probably going to see that it's brained. Yeah. And then, but the chi- a child sits sitting next to him, um, like no child would ever do, would say, oh, mister, what's that you're eating? And he was like, oh, you wouldn't like it. And then basically the boy really persists, even though it looks like a brain and it looks disgusting. Great. Like the kid's like persisting, like, oh. Like, like as if he's got sweets or something like Haribo's or something like that. And the kid's like, oh, I want this mystery grey meat. And Hannibal's like, just gives him it. It's just, nah, come on. What a shit ending. That film is absolute, just a dump of a film. Yeah, I hated he, it. 
I, I had a yeah. note, feeds child brains, just to remind us that we shouldn't be rooting for him. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a terrible film. Sorry, guys, he is a baddie. Um, what do you think, uh, what value would you put towards paying Gary Oldman to be inside the Mason Verger prosthetics? Could that basically have been anyone? I think that could have been somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that Gary Oldman kind of wanted his name taken off the film, and because it is bad, yeah. and unfortunately, I think Dino De Laurentiis had already, or or he'd said it, and then almost like a week later, Dino De Laurentiis went to a press conference and said that Gary Oldman was in it, just to piss him oh, off. Right. Um, <laughs> nice. So yeah, he wasn't removed from the credits. So who's who do you think out of the whole of the lambs? series is is the best detective that does the best detective work would you say that it's uh will graham in red dragon in manhunter or would you say it's clarice starling in silence of the lambs or clarice in hannibal <laughs> well it's not clarice in hannibal <laughs> it's it's definitely not i mean it's it's not okay so we've we've ruled we've her out she's that. out stage one group stage she's out so it's not well, actually, to be honest, I think it probably is Will Graham in Red Dragon if you're just looking at functional police work. Cause, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's what I'm asking you. I'm not asking it, for, you know, sense of style, how he's shot, you know, hair, mood lighting. Haircuts. I'm asking for, you know, who are you going to employ? So, Will Graham in Red Dragon is calm, collected. Lot, mm. Well, he's yeah. calm, collected, and he, he thinks things through logically. Will Graham yeah. in Manhunter is Thinks the like same. Is the same, but the thinking like a killer drives him to the edge, and he's like uh, <laughs> co- constantly on the brink of like going insane. And he's yeah. he's driving his family up the wall at the same time. You see a lot more of that, so he affects his family a lot more. I think I'd be hiring like Harvey Keitel is. I'd be going back to Edward Norton's Will Graham and saying, "Come on, man, we need you just for this one more case." Um, I okay. think Clarice Starling in Silence of the Lambs is great as well, but, but she's, she's learning on the job, right? A little she's bit. learning on the job. Yeah, she's way out of her depth. Until yeah. you know, she, but she does crack the case. She cracks it. I mean that that's a great moment. I, I think there's you know the moment where you you figure out that Hannibal's wearing the the police officer's face and he's still in the ambulance. Great moment, great music, great tension. And then the moment where you know Clarice is just rocking up to some like nowhere house, you know, for what for just a routine one, while the police and the SWAT think that they're about to smash open the door on James Gunn. Um, and then and then it does the old switcheroo and you realise it's actually Clarice who's in the terrible situation. It's just a brilliant moment. And and his reaction, James Gum's reaction, when he f- he basically figures out that the game's up and he, he kind of starts, his, his lip starts going and he starts crying um, and the emotions just come out. It's just, oh man, it's so good. Wow. Oliver has you now it, verbally just, just number three'd into the podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it is just great. It's just great. Okay, do you have say. any other uh, killer and detective pieces you want to cover? Or are we pretty well, much I've got a few. Out? I've got a few Silence of the Lambs bits. 
um, that I just wanted to go through, and then we're done. Is that okay? Well, could I just double check with you here, Ollie? Are you sure they're worth it? If they're not worth it, I can just edit them out and we'll seamlessly transition to the outro. Okay, let's do it. Okay, um, so a bit of a bit of common sense media. So this this kid, I don't think they really liked it. Um, not worth seeing if you were given one R-rated movie to watch. Because that, I mean, that is a big problem when you're a kid, isn't it? That yeah. you, you can only watch one. But still good, especially the climax. I was looking for a good scare when I watched this movie. The first half of the movie wasn't R-rated whatsoever. They had negative moments in it, but it was just boring. The second half dealt with a drag queen, naked at one point, full frontal nudity of a half-man, half-woman. And there was a lot of swearing in the second half, many violent attacks with creepy blood when Hannibal eats someone. He praises murderers' works throughout the movie. There is a cannibal who talks about eating people constantly. I mean, if you're a cannibal, that's quite a unique sort of thing that you do, isn't it? So you might, you might mention it. A bit like, you know, it's the opposite of a vegan, I suppose. What do you mean? You know, just... Well, oh, just, yeah, yeah. Know, vegan. I, I no thought, offense to the vegans. I, yeah, I thought you you're suggesting that vegans didn't talk about it, and that's why they were the opposite. But you just mean the meat, no meat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and here's someone that did that did really enjoy it. And then I've got a quick follow up question to you. Great movie, and this is also from a child. Very interesting. Not too graphic compared to what I thought it was going to be, but when the prisoner threw his bodily fluids, i.e., his sperm, <laughs> at Clarice, it was a little over the top. And my question to you is, <laughs> how accurate do you think you would be? throwing a handful of viscous fluid at someone from about let's say five foot ollie this maybe six this is the type of thing foot. you stop me from bringing up on the podcast this is this is low level for you <laughs> I've, I've i've said viscous fluid could be honey could be jam could be shower gel you know don't think of it as you know anything other than that which okay. is which is uh, the closest to your brand? Is it jam? Because you need to go and see a doctor about that. <laughs> Let's say um, like a, a good quality hand wash <laughs> out of a pump. Okay. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I think I could get a bullseye. Okay. Throwing it, throwing it at a darts board. I mean, it's certainly not as accurate as a dart. Okay, let's use that as a guide. I'd probably get it near, but not on the dart board. Okay. Um, and did you know they actually cut that scene out of the uh, terrestrial TV version? See, the thing is, I don't even know how clear that is because I've watched the film about... It's very clear. If you watch the Netflix one, it it's, it's really... No, it's really clear. Like, it's it's massively clear. It's it, and, and that's why I said earlier, like, when you watch the film now, it's very shocking in ways that I don't think you see in a lot of films these days. And and that was okay. one of the. It was so graphic and so clear. So I've got so. I've got the DVD. So I don't think I've missed it. But I guess what I what I was less clear on was what were the indicators that made you know for sure that that's what it was. Like does does the hand shuffle finish right before it happens or? Yeah, yeah. He's he's there and he's saying that he's kind of cut himself, and then oh, he turns okay. around. He he throws something and then it. It hits her in the. F- we were spending a bit too long talking about this now, really. I, I think the spunk discussion, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, let's move okay, on. Okay, but I'm I'm pretty much I'm I, I'm done. Okay, in that case, people listening to the podcast like Migs, should I'm done. should well, you're not because you've just cut me off now, you twat. Um, <laughs> I'm done. Like Megs, I'm done. <laughs> I just thought of a joke. Anyway, carry on. Finish. So, I hope that this was all food for thought, but ideally, you know, audio food as opposed to um, brain Brain food. matter. Um, and anyone listening to it would be uh, really interested to hear who your favourite on-screen detectives and serial killers are. So, let us know on facebook.com forward slash guys on film. And on Twitter and Instagram, you can go give us a comment at GOF Podcast. I mentioned yeah. it a couple of times already. We do have an email address. We do have a website. So guysonfilm.co.uk. There's even a form there if you wanted to go very official. Oh, love, everyone loves a good form. But uh, inevitably, that form will just deliver us an email to guysonfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Just email us. It, it's like... you. It's like having a direct line to a celebrity. You're able to talk to us, the entertainment people, um, directly, like we're your buddies. Yeah. Uh, And I'd just like to apologise for, you know, really lowering the tone at the end there. I feel, you know, sorry. This apology won't make sense after you have to cut almost all of it out. (laughs) Well, what happened was, no, I... That I'll leave it in just and let them decide. Okay. See you next week. Bye. Bye. I'll leave it in. It's fine.